Welcome to Travolting. Hosted by Jeff Sweeney and Stuart Elmore. Covering Staying Alive. Enjoy the episode. Welcome, folks, to this episode. Hello. Uh, hello. It's great to have everyone back. Jeff, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Yeah? Uh, you know how I'm feeling especially well? How are you feeling especially well? Uh, because I listened to our Grease episode. It's, yeah. It's pretty good. It is pretty good. I yeah. love it. Yeah. But um, you folks have already listened to that one about three weeks ago. Yeah. And uh, we want to thank you for also listening to Blowout yes. last week. Blowout. That's hope, a good one. We had a lot of fun doing that one, and we uh, hope you folks yeah. did the same. And you know, right now, I, I, I think it's important to address that we're hitting, a, we're hitting a dry run here. Yes. And you might say that we are going to attempt, or maybe even try, to stay alive during this. Yes. Which, and you know how we're doing that, because we're watching the film, or we watch the film, Staying, staying Alive. alive. 1983. 1983, sequel to a film we covered before, Saturday Night Fever. Directed by who, Jeff? This is directed by the one and only Sylvester Stallone. Sylvester Stallone did this. Sylvester Stallone, who uh, the only movies he has directed aside from this are pretty much his Rocky movies. Yeah, so I think... And Rambo. He he had just done Rocky IV before this, I believe. Rocky III. Right, Rocky IV is in 84. Yeah, he has not yet defeated communism. He's not... Uh, so far defeated communism so he had done he's he, only defeated clever line he's done rocky 2 and rocky 3 because he didn't direct rocky 1 he did not he just wrote the screen he directed rocky's 2, two three, 3 4 and 6 oh he did do 6 john six g was a good one yeah we're six rocky balboa is great yeah but he but, didn't do five no uh john g alvinson who did the first one did five and why did five suck then yeah it's very strange yeah. <laughs> that you return for five we're uh, gonna we're gonna talk all about this on our sylvester stallone podcast yeah, this is now the rocky cast the rocky cast <laughs> um so but yeah directed by sylvester stallone who yes. has a brilliant cameo I yes he add. does you know like um, not very uh not very a subtle cameo like it calls attention to it yes cameos are like you're not really supposed to call attention to it this is like clearly like i want the audience to know that it's me <laughs> you know and the best part about it, we're going to talk about it later, is like he looks like he didn't dress for a role at all. It looks like he just got up from the director's chair and started and just, walking yeah, in the crowd. Because he's got the hat, the scarf, the sunglasses, the, horn, the whole deal. The thing is, I have a very, I, I think that it, the placement in the movie he appears is very uh, poignant. Yeah. And this is going to go into why I think this movie fails as a sequel. Yeah. Um, and the way it could have been good, not yeah as a sequel. I mean, I'll get into it. Yeah, but, but and I and I think it's. I mean, first off, we got to address this has a zero percent score yes. on Rotten Tomatoes. We are covering three films on this podcast that have a zero percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, this is the first one. Yeah, I don't think it's worthy of that. I don't think it's that I disastrous so of a movie. Yeah, I agree. I mean, this to me is a solid two out of five stars. Yeah. I mean, that's not solid, but and I think I don't know. Should we get into like? I have I have a hypothesis why that is why it's zero percent because essentially Rotten Tomatoes for 
most folks probably know it's like you know they're they're taking a collection of all the reviews that they can get and then placing a label of positive or negative on each yeah. review and, and then it's the percentage percent. of positive versus negative that gives mm. that percentage on the tomato score so essentially they had a hundred percent negative reviews on this film but i have a theory about that yes. and i can share that with you now we'll get into it yeah at the end of the episode yeah let's i agree there's let's, a lot to talk about with the impact of this movie and yes. what happened after it came out but first we got to talk about why this movie was made yes why, but how it was made and where it tracks in his career yeah. so Travolta, um, that is not stallone yes travolta this is about travolta yes this is Travolting. As much as I would we, love for this episode to be about Stallone, it's Maybe not. we'll do the, the well, I don't know, uh, Sly like Sylvester or something like that as our next uh, podcast. I don't, I don't know. We're only on episode 10 out of 66 of this. One. What was that podcast idea name again? Sly like Sylvester or something. Let, let me take care of the spinoff podcast naming conventions from now on, please. <laughs> Sly is Sylvester? Yeah. I'm a big fan of I'm Walking here for a Christopher Walken podcast. Well, that that's just fucking genius. If right anyone there. steals that for their podcast, I will hunt you down. We will cancel it. Yes. Well, we've already had a recording of us saying that's our idea. Did we? Well, yeah, this thought, podcast. Oh, yeah. Well, here it is. So what I'm saying is like a in the future, protection. if somebody says it, know that it is copyright because we can track down the date and time. From the metadata, from yes. the metadata that we spoke about this idea. Yes. So you it's copyrighted. Yeah. So take that, thieves of I'm walking here podcast names. We should stop saying it as often as we are. Yes. In, 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 uh, in hopes that people don't get the idea yeah. to steal it. Yeah. And, and we'll discuss this again in 57 episodes if we decide <laughs> to move ahead with it. Yeah. Um, but yes, uh, this is his follow-up to our past two episodes, Urban Cowboy and Blowout. Yeah. And I think it's very conscious it coming after those films. Yeah. Um, Moment by moment, um, was a huge flop critically and commercially for Mr. Travolta. Yeah, um, Urban Cowboy did well, but it was it only did okay comparably to his previous success. It wasn't a blowout. And then Blowout, huge critical success, like tremendous financial failure. Yeah, and so I think it's a very conscious choice that his next two films, talk about even the one after this a little bit, are a sequel to one of his most successful movies, being this one, Saturday Night Fever. And the one after this is a reteaming with Olivia Newton-John and kind of a Grease spiritual successor. Yeah. I think it's very conscious that he feels really stung by the failure of Blowout, a movie that he put a lot of his heart into. Yeah. And uh, now he's kind of retreating back into some familiar territory. Yeah. And I just, you know, I wonder if how coincidental it is that the title of this movie is called Staying Alive. And he is trying to keep his career alive. And he alive. is trying to keep his career alive. So... Um, he does go through a rough patch, and what really upsets me is, and well, I talked I ruled. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. And I know we already talked about this in the last episode, but like, I feel like we can address it more because of this film. Yeah, is that is like he is now like falling into this trap and starting to lose that credibility as an actor because of a film that objectively is artistically great. Maybe blowout. my it's my favorite of the movies we've covered so far. Same here, same here. And so it's a. I mean, it later does save him and bring back his career in the 90s. Right. But for the next 10-ish years or so, yeah. we're kind of watching his retreat from that style into this, which doesn't help him. Right. And then he just kind of stays at this low level for a while. Yeah, and it makes me wonder, like, if the audience liked Blowout, what would have Travolta 80s have been? Yeah, or, and, e- or even if he had just... Even if he was stung by financial fear of the movie but kept at that style 
Yeah. Which, you know, it's partially probably just that people didn't want to hire him. Mm -hmm. But if he had stayed, like, in the realm of, like, thrillers and, like, truly challenging himself as a performer. Yeah. What he could have accomplished. Yeah. Which we later did find out. He takes some amazing roles in his future. Yeah. And we will talk about them in a while. Can I ask you something? Yes. Can you throw your jacket in that corner? I'm just hearing some jacket movements. Sweet. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Just heard a little bit of... Whoosh, 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 whoosh. You folks probably loved that. Yeah. Uh, I'll cut that out. It's cool. Uh, no, don't cut it out. D- double it. Um, Stayed alive here, Jeff. Yes. Um, but basically, they wanted to make a sequel to Saturday Night Fever pretty much immediately after it came out. Interesting. Um, the producer, Robert Stigwood, who he did Saturday Night Fever, Grease, and <laughs> Moment, Moment by, by Moment, Moment with... Yeah. Um, wanted to. Travolta said no. He didn't want to touch that well again. And it wasn't basically until um, the failure of his last few films that he is like, all right, I'm, I'm going to come back. We're, we're I'll gonna, do it. We're going to try it. Yeah. He's like, I need people to love me again. Yeah. Um, they did not love him after this movie. Yes. And uh, it was Travolta who initially came up with the idea of Tony Monero going to Broadway. <laughs> well, I will say... This film was somewhat successful financially, though. Yes. People did go see this yes. movie, and a couple times even, yeah. because it, it was financially successful, but obviously, like, even at the time, Stallone and Travolta all, like, were aware of its critical perception. Yes. That this was not, this was not a revival for his career. Yeah. Like, this is, like, a very much, well, it's a cash grab. This was, mm-hmm. like, almost the, the uh, epitome of what a cash grab is. Yeah. It's like, you like Saturday Night Fever? You like John Travolta? You like his dancing? Mm-hmm. We got that all in here for you. Here it is. And um, it looks like it was shot for a budget of $2. Um, this movie looks really cheap. But I'm going to get into that. The It looks like all the money was funneled to that musical. That, yeah, like that, the end of the movie. The, the end of the movie. The rest, of it, the, the rest of it kind of looks like a student film. Yes, but, uh, I agree with that. But the but the, I mean, the Broadway the, stuff at the end, yes, looks, that looked cool. It, the, the set looks cool. And the lighting, the, yeah, some the, cool the lighting, fine. camera angles, and stuff that really like, I don't. Story wise, it was yeah. very thin. Like, what, well, yeah. well, you know, that's like twenty minutes of the movie. Yeah. I didn't actually count. The last act of this movie is just a musical number. Yeah, but no. Nah. When we say musical number, it's like a contemporary dance. It's like number. watching a, a videography of a musical performance off Broadway. Yeah, that's professionally well yeah. done. But it's just it, like yes. story wise, like what are we doing? Yeah, why why are we here for twenty minutes? Yeah. But um, going back, uh, Travolta finally agrees uh, in this kind of like post-blowout retreat he's having. Yeah. Um, and it was he also came up with the idea of Stallone. He did. He didn't. He didn't initially say Stallone. He said a director like the like Stallone because he's like I liked Rocky Three. I want someone like he, that. He liked the idea that Stallone made a good sequel. Yeah, he made two good sequels. Now I don't remember like. Are they good? I mean, were they good sequels for the time? Like, I'll, yeah. I'll be honest with the audience. I love almost the entire Rocky franchise besides Rocky Five. Like, I even I love Rocky Two. I even like Rocky Three. On a, Rocky Rocky Two and Three are good. And they were they perceived as good. Like, was I Rocky so. Three? I'm gonna look up the yeah. score. Here, up. Here's the thing about the Rocky sequels. Yeah, is that inherently you can't make a sequel to Rocky without ruining the first movie in some respect. Because mm-hmm. the end of it's like you he know he, he doesn't win. He doesn't win, but he goes the distance, and that's kind of that's the beauty of the movie is that he feels like a winner, even though he didn't win, and he gets yeah. Adrian and all that. 
Rocky three did get a sixty four percent fresh Rotten Rocky Tomatoes score. And so yeah. In- inherently, if you make a sequel where there's a rematch and Rocky has to win, you're kind of blowing up the point of the first one. This right. is another sequel, which is funny because this is a movie Staying Alive is also a sequel that kind of blows up the point of the first one. Right, exactly. And they're both directed by exactly. Stallone. Exactly, exactly. That's very well said. I, I think the difference is that Rocky two and three are actually good movies. And even though they kind of blow up some of the point of the first one, I think there's enough merit in them that they justify their existence. Yeah. I don't want to get too much yeah. into Rocky. Like, I just, I wonder if like, cause this is the only movie Stallone wrote and directed that he wasn't the main character. Yes. And it makes me wonder like, cause Stallone writes. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Stallone's kind of the main character of this movie. I'm, I'm, this, this movie is not a sequel to Saturday Night Fever. This movie, this well, is okay. an, yeah. this is an adaptation of Sylvester Stallone's life. That's what this movie is. Yes. We'll get more into it when we get into the plot. But this is, this okay. movie is Sylvester Stallone casting John Travolta as himself trying to break into Hollywood. Okay. There, there's there's I'm, I'm going to need some help with that. Oh, I'm I'm going to go into well, it. Well, so what I was going to make my point about was purely on a technical craft level that I feel like and maybe I'm wrong about this that Stallone wrote the Rocky movies yes. for himself. Yes. And he knows himself pretty well enough in terms of what he can deliver from an acting perspective. Yeah, there's no Adrian I uh, did real good last night. Precisely. I drive bo- Rocky, like, can you drive? Oh, I drive bulldozers and airplanes. I drive you crazy, crazy if you give me the chance. Uh, yeah, precisely. So he knows he can do that. When writing for Travolta, which there was a script that Nick Khan wrote for mm-hmm. this film, but Stallone scrapped it. And then Norman Wexler, who helped with the first one, yes. wrote a draft and then Stallone did the final draft. Right. And so I wonder like, how much of this is him like writing for what he's familiar with, which is himself. I mean, for God's sakes, like, you're not wrong. This is like Sylvester Stallone up there. I mean, it's John Travolta, but he's yeah. playing Sylvester Stallone. Yes. I mean, we're going to talk about the hair. But it's, oh, we're going to talk about the hair. We're going to talk about the jacket. We're going to talk about like the bodybuilding and like yeah. it's Sylvester Stallone yes. played by John Travolta. But um, so anyway, yes, I think um, I think we started on this tangent. I mean, we're going to get on a lot of tangents about Stallone and Travolta this yeah. movie. But I think, um, you know, Travolta had the idea of Stallone. Uh, they brought. They were able to get Stallone to do it. He's like, yeah, I kind of like that movie. You know, is this going to be often in the podcast? This is the only episode of this podcast where I'm going to get the option to do a Sylvester Stallone frequently, so it's going to happen. Copy that. It's not that good, but I just like slide to. I like Rocky. Rocky's my Rocky's my best friend. Does it have anything to do with Philadelphia, Jeff? Uh, no Philly. Too. <laughs> but um, okay. Uh, two big things that Stallone brought to this, besides rewriting the script, um. Travolta didn't like the movie had a depressing ending at first. Uh, and so Stal- did Saturday Night Fever. And Travolta didn't like that. Which I think is a one of the major problems. This is also PG. So yes, that is the second thing I was gonna get. First, Stallone writes a happier ending. Secondly, this movie's PG. Because Saturday Night Fever is very R. Yes. But they this again I'm They gonna, wanted family appeal for this movie. When was PG thirteen, <laughs> Temple of Doom? Uh, yeah, Temple of Doom. Which like, is what year? Well, P- Temple of Doom is not PG-13, but it's the movie that caused them to be like, we need to add another rating. So, like, I'm trying to... Because I remember the thing about Saturday Night Fever, which uh, alluded to them wanting to make this PG, was because they had made a version of Saturday Night Fever that was for PG for TV... Um, yeah, broadcast. Broadcast. And they it developed a young cult following, like, from young audiences um, in, like, high school age, like, 
folks who kind of I'm almost imagining these are the same folks who went to Greece in theaters and liked and saw it. And then they saw Saturday Night Fever mm-hmm. on TV and watched it. And it was a PG version. Yeah. They saw Travolta. And I feel like it was that sort of uh, impact that alluded to yeah. them wanting to make, like, we're going to make this PG for those uh, folks. And that's that's the, like, original sin of this movie is they it, decided to make it PG. Yeah, <laughs> it absolutely is. Uh, quick, absolutely. Si- quick sidebar, but I looked it up. Temple of Doom is what caused PG-13. The first movie to be rated PG-13 was, like, three months later, and it was Red Dawn. Gotcha. What year? Uh, 84, so a year after this. A year after this movie. God, if we just had one if more If they had waited year, one more year, this could have been PG-13. could have been PG-13. We could have got one use of the word it fuck. maybe might have gotten 20% on the round. <laughs> in that case. Potentially. Um, yeah, let's let's just get into the movie. That's pretty much all the context yeah. you really need to go in. Well, it starts off right away. Yes, we're in a dance number. I feel like this is a common thing with Travolta movies. They just they start. They just start. It's also just movies of the time just had a habit of yeah. starting. Right, yeah. There was not much business to be dealt with. Yeah. But it starts with the dance number over the opening credits. Yep, which, uh, uh, Far From Over, which is the song, nominated for Oscar for Best Original Song. I believe it was the Golden Globes. I'm pretty sure this was an Oscar. Was pretty sure this was an Oscar. Fact well, check I'm me. I'm looking it up. Fact I'm looking me. it up. Because I saw that this was nominated for two awards. It was a Golden Globe and a Golden Raspberry. And I thought that was funny that it was the two gold. Oh, well, Travolta was also nominated for a Razzie for worst actor in this yes, film. That, that is the golden raspberry. Oh, I didn't realize that. Uh, it was not, yeah, nominated for Golden Globe for best original song. Not Oscar. Not Oscar, unfortunately. Fuck. It was nominated for three golden Razzies, um, <clears throat> Travolta, uh, Fanola Hughes. Oh, no, she got nominated twice. Sad. Um, Fanola Hughes. That's Laura, right? The uh, dance, the, the star dancer. Here's another problem with this movie. So I can't remember any of the names. The well, I didn't real. I yeah, I didn't realize. Yeah, it was Laura the dancer. Yeah, I I knew Jackie. I knew Laura. Um, another quick sidebar. Um, if any folks are listening to this who haven't seen the movie, it is on Amazon Prime for free, for free. at the time of this recording. Yeah. Um, I will continue to suggest that if you're able, watch the movies recovering before we cover them. This uh, is obviously a, it's not a requirement, but it um, is a great case study. Yeah, this is a very fascinating movie. Yes. Um, but I will continue to encourage that if anyone wants to watch the movies, I'll tell you where they are. Yeah. Anyway, back to opening credits. Movie just starts. Dance uh, audition. There's on freeze frames in this for like actor names and like crew names. It doesn't really seem like there's any motivations about where they freeze, though. Yeah, not really. Like you think it's going to be freeze on a person and then their name next to it? That no. does not happen. Right, no. It's like, it's like, freezing on people's crotches like mid jump there's like blurry images of people running by there's not much in the way of like point me <laughs> seems like it was done at the frame. last minute to satisfy dga requirements yeah. like there's a wide shot of all of them like dancing with their arms out and it's like yeah. just it looks like a blurry mush it looks like me whipping my phone out and taking a picture yeah before like it has time to settle right that's, that's no like discredit like it's the opening credits like who cares but yeah it's kind of the first sign that there might be some problems with this movie. Damn, right away. Right away. Yeah. But uh, Travolta's definitely going for it. He yep. lost like 20 pounds for this role. Got um, fit. Got really fit. Got really sweaty, too. Yeah, lots. Of, um, very sweaty. And it, going from the first film, Saturday Night Fever, into this, um, it just kind of shows where he was at the end of that movie, where he's embracing his like feminine, feminine dancing side. side yeah. Just really going for it. He's wearing like, the skin-tight, like, very loose clothing yeah um and so he's in like from, a from that it's a strong continuation of the first and that he's in the place we left him yeah and we're gonna see where he goes from there 
Um, and then we follow along with his life a little more. Uh, he leaves the dance parlor. He has his friend. What's her name? Oh, well. Jackie. Just, yeah, just to... So it's a dance audition, and he gets sent home. Oh, he gets sent home. Yeah, like he didn't get the part, which is, you know, part of business in the movie to let you know, again, where he's at with his yeah. life. He's trying out for all these Broadway roles and not getting anything yeah. for mostly political reasons because he's a great dancer. But he, go, he goes to his job after that. Yes. He's gone, he works at a, uh, like, club as is a that, waiter. Is that the one right now? He, uh, he, dance instructor. Oh, yeah, he's, he has two scene. jobs. He has two he jobs. He has two jobs. The first thing he goes to after the audition, he goes to that, like, aerobics dance yeah. thing, and he gets a little quick Place argument. we never go back to. In the yeah, movie. and then, uh, so he's, yeah, we really don't go yeah, back he, to that movie. We think this is going to be a part of it, because, like, introduced to his boss, Fatima. Wouldn't that have been an interesting yeah. story? Like, Tony can't get on Broadway, but he sees somebody in the dance studio that, like, really has dreams and aspirations, so he takes them under the wing, like, uh, Creed. <gasps> you were describing the exact plot of Rocky Balboa, Creed, Creed Two, and Cars Three. Ooh, that, that Ooh. May, maybe we'll do Saturday Night Fever Three in modern day. And Ooh, could do that. Ooh, anyway, <laughs> just would have been better. So, um, but he works at the dance club. Yeah, he teaches aerobics movements. We, uh, it's kind of a sell. It's like selling out of his what he considers an art form. Yeah. for like commercial point. Yep, and we we b- before in between the dance studio and the dance club because he does work at a dance club. We do get a little bit of where he goes to his apartment. He asks for any messages, messages yeah, from he has jobs, no messages. No messages. Uh, we see him living in a very small, tight apartment, showing where he is like yeah. financially. Um, and then he goes to the dance club. Yes, he works as a waiter for tips. Yep, um, he's there's a nice juicy shot of just his crotch. Yeah, there's also a part where he like looks up at the ceiling and like it See just shows disco. a disco ball and he like stares at it forlorn. <laughs> well, I mean, I kind of get got Oh no, it. that's it, like I get it. It's just it's kind of funny. He like looks at it and he's like I wish I I'm was... doing a face for the people listening. Yeah. He's doing a weird face. He's doing he's like doing a face of like yeah, I mean, all that life I left behind. Yeah, exactly. The 70s abandoned me. <laughs> um, oh man. <laughs> Too real. But um there's a bunch of girls there who yeah. are like you want to go home with us. And Travolta, having learned his lesson from the first one about like abusing women, is like, no. When they're like, we're looking for a nice guy, and he's like, we'll try the army. Yeah. Well, he's all, also there are other two girls. It's like, you want to come party with us? It's like, man, I nearly got a concussion last time. You two should be yeah. a tag team. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of like one line yeah. zingers it, in it's this movie. All, it's all the um like the really obvious pickups from the first one. Uh, just like. Instead of subtext, this movie is very textual. Yes. In yes. that, instead of being like, he's a changed man after the first one, he literally is telling us, yes, I do not abuse women anymore. I, And at one point, he literally says, like, yeah, I changed. I, at one since I left Brooklyn. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I do not be mean to people. He's very much, it's, at this point in the movie, he's very much just like telling us. what. There's a lot of telling in this movie, not a lot of showing. Yeah. There's a lot so, of showing, but it's not what I want to see. It's showing other showing things. things. Showing other things for a PG yeah, movie. Showing PG rated stuff. PG crotch shots. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I believe after that's when he starts going to auditions again and like handing out his resume and his headshot. Not getting and anything. At the beginning of the scene, it's very important. He bumps into Sylvester Stallone on the street, so who Stallone turns around cameo. and stares at him for it, like a half a second. For like a long half a second. And it is absolutely not a mistake that it leads directly into the scene of Travolta going to all these places and being immediately discounted because of his looks when he walks in. 
Yeah, because that is the Sylvester Stallone story is that he couldn't get really a role or get Rocky produced. He wrote Rocky for himself because no one would hire him for an act acting roles. Yeah. Um, because of the way he looks, because the way he sounded, he didn't strike as a leading man. Right. And so I think it's very important that someone appears at the beginning of this scene, and then we cut to Travolta going into places. Readers, reason. readers are just reading scripts, not even looking at him. He ends them his stuff, and they're like, "Great, thanks." They're People like, are shooting whatever. Him out the door. Yeah, they're kicking him. Whatever, man. Yeah, they're kicking him out, and uh, they're not interested. In him. I, I just find that part interesting because about Sylvester Stallone not being the leading man, because when you talk about John Travolta yeah. in the beginning of his career, he is like the definition of the look of a meat of a leading man. Yeah. So I just found that pretty yeah, funny. Yeah, it, it is funny. Like, if you're going to get an actor to play yourself for that, that reason, John Travolta. It's funny that uh, Sylvester Stallone couldn't make the Sylvester Stallone story. I mean, Rocky's kind of the Sylvester Stallone story. You know, he gets the one in the million shot and all that. But um, yeah, it's funny that when it comes to making like a more literal adaptation of his life, yeah. he can't get it funded unless it's a sequel to, <laughs> to a movie Saturday Night Fever. with an extremely attractive man. Yeah. It is what it is. Yes, that is a that's more or less the setup of this movie. But uh, so we we get back with his girlfriend. See, there's a little thing. His his, his friend with benefits. Friend with Jackie. benefits. Yes, that's a good way to say it. There's a lot of like weird, not weird, but just like not a lot of like commitment. Yeah, this is uh, a very PG rated sexuality movie where they don't yes. show anything and they don't tell anything. Right. When it comes to the sex, it's just like they wake up in a bed together or he's walking around and with Jackie and he's like, I love you. And she's like, why? And he's like, well, I actually love her and all that. Yeah. So, uh, he gets back with Jackie, his friend with benefits and she has a show cause she's actually working. Yes. And this is okay. So I have a story about this scene that comes next where he watches the, the, the show. Mm-hmm. Um, where was the show's playing because i totally like forgot who was who yeah they put on so much makeup for their shows that the woman he's staring at i thought was the same actress yeah, you thought it was jackie i thought it was jackie and i was like oh he's just so enamored by her and then when the show gets uh, is over they get off stage and she walks past him and then jackie walks up next to him like oh, oh that's two there's a different girl <laughs> yeah so he gets really enamored watching the lead actress of the show that jackie's in laura yeah um laura's also, like a background dancer laura's the lead oh uh, jackie's, jackie's a background, background dancer laura's the lead yeah i'm gonna get that mixed up also important to note uh stephanie from the first movie is uh sir not appearing in this film i think were there were there uh, plans for that, that there was a plan where a bunch of people from the first one would come back as it stands the only recurring characters are tony monero and, and his, mom. his mom yeah that and i don't think that's necessarily horrible like it, 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 it works. It could have. Well, I, the movie I, doesn't work, but I, I think there in a version of this movie that did work, you can involve there not being reoccurring. Yeah. Like you can make actors. a movie about the absence of people just as much you can make about the presence. of Yes. People. Good. Good way of saying it. Jeff. I, I like movies about absence. Yeah. You know, it's a good movie about absence. What's a good Star movie? Wars. The Last Jedi. That's a good movie about the absence of Han Solo because he died in the last one. For folks listening, Jeff was twirling his hair. <laughs> I'm staring. I just. Are you enamored by me, Jeff? Is that what you're yeah. doing? You're just no, like um, twirling your hair while looking at me from across the table. I just enjoy bringing up The Last Jedi because we talked about how we really like it. And yeah. We hope it makes people mad. I mean, yeah. But, um, sorry, folks. I mean, if you don't like Last Jedi, well, all I have to say is I don't like White Castle. Yeah. So. That is true. Fuck off. But yeah, movies about absence are good. Yeah. Um, Another one that's like fairly recent i don't think it's like the best movie ever made but 
it does it fairly well is the last spider-man movie that's a pretty good movie about the absence of tony stark instead of the presence of tony stark the tom holland yeah the tom the, the second tom holland one far from home that's it yeah the one word that's a good movie about the absence of tony stark yeah i like movies about absence of people anyway this movie is not a movie about the absence of people people are just absent from it yeah um but uh, so travolta's enamored by this lead actress in the show laura jackie is uh like why are you staring at her and he's like oh, you know <laughs> to the stallone accent for travolta uh um, but that's when he starts simping yes so hard. he goes up to laura's dressing room where she's trying to just take her makeup off and relax after a show and he's at the door and he's like oh, i don't know if you want to go off for some, some food, drink later come out with me and know? by the way laura is british british yes british Crocky. I mean, no, it's Australian. What am I Stop doing? it, man. We did this in our Greece episode. We disrespected yeah. so many Australians. We had to put it in our description. We insulted not only a country, but a whole continent. <laughs> Think about that. Um. <laughs> Great. Oh, Lord. So, yeah, um, he's in the dressing room. Yes. Simping real hard. And he's and this is the part where he literally explains his character development. He's like, yeah, you know, I used to treat women not so good, but, you know, ever since I left Brooklyn, I, yeah. I don't drink, I don't smoke, yeah. I treat everyone with respect. And I'm like, dude... Yeah, I wrote uh, we, down we get it. addressing we, we, his misogyny. We watched the movie. We got it. Yeah. Um, oh, Lord. Well, I, again, it's the telling, not showing thing. You, so. know, you know, it's a good bit, though. When he's like, uh, you know, I got a sensitive friend out here, Rico. Rico. He's really nervous to meet you, but I'm going to get him. And he, like, walks off, and he's like, hey, Rico, come on over here. Come on over here. And, like, we're just watching an empty doorway. <laughs> and then he comes back, like, ah, she won't, he won't come. I'll talk to you, though. And then she closes the door on his face. Yeah, and then she slams the door in his face and almost... And according to him, almost breaks his nose. Maybe it almost did for in yeah. real life, and that reaction is just John Travolta. We get a little bit of the old Tony Monero when he reaps there. He's like, what you, the He's hell? like, you almost hit my nose. What are you doing? He almost broke it. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, you were creeping on me and being like, come out to dinner with me, person I just met. Yeah. And so she says she can't. She has auditions yes. tomorrow, and she invites him to come. Yeah. Um... And that's when he gets back with Jackie, and like he almost like says it. Uh, when she, when Laura comes out and he's with Jackie, he like throws out another like line at Laura. She's passing because Laura's yeah. like small world. It's like oh yeah, small world. And he's like looking at her, and she's walking away. And it's like, like who's that? I mean, she knows who it is. And I just like, wrote down. It's like he's he tells jackie he's simping to her face yeah <laughs> like again they're in this movie to my experience as pg as it can be it, it doesn't fully express that jackie and tony are in a committed exclusive yeah. relationship um but it is like to me i'm like oh like fuck dude <laughs> yeah. Th- this movie can't have sex scenes so it uses a dance <laughs> it's like the sex scene but it's like yeah. violent sex dances. it is like uh what was what a uh, dirty dancing was rated yeah. r probably Par- it's called Dirty Dancing. It's not clean yeah. dancing. But it's like the dance scenes in Dirty Dancing, like probably around that level. Yeah. I would say. Something like that. I know there's some diehard Dirty Dancing fans out there that would like burn me alive for saying that. Yeah. Probably. We're gonna, they're going to come in our comment section and roast us. I don't want to alienate the Dirty Dancing fans. They're, they're, they're good fans. Yeah. But uh, the next day, yep. um, Tony comes to the auditions. Yes um and we get we get we get the first glimpse of oh i forgot something really quick so at the very first audition at the beginning of the movie the choreographer that is like auditioning the folks is named kurtwood smith 
he is a an actor that becomes somewhat more prominent later on, but most notably, to my experience, in Dead Poet Society, he plays Neil's dad in Dead Poet Society. Oh, Fun fact for audience members. So you see Dead Poet Society? A while ago, but I have. Like, you know, like Neil, the guy who wants to be an art artist, and his dad, who's like mean and wants him to be a lawyer? Yeah. That's Kurt Whitsmith. Oh. He's a choreographer in the first audition scene. Interesting. But he's not the choreographer in this audition scene that we're talking about. Yeah, Mr. Mustache himself. Yeah. I think I read the INTV credits. His name is Jesse, I think. Jesse. Yeah. Doesn't say his name in the movie, I don't uh, think. Yeah, Steve Inwood. There he is. Yeah. Named Jesse. Um, but yeah, Jesse's auditioning the girls. Um, Jackie gets picked. Um, Laura's not even auditioning because she has Yeah, she the, has the lead. She has a lead already. Um, so then becomes one of my favorite lines in the movie. Again, a lot of one-line zingers yes. in this. Where a female choreographer comes up, she says, "Hi, I'm oh. Joy," and Joy's like, "Yeah, I'm happiness." Hi, I'm happiness. <laughs> like, oh my god, dude! And then it's just like I thought you. Silence. I thought you learned not to abuse words. <laughs> what do you do with that pickup line? I'm happiness, and then um, yeah. So then they audition, and it's like a the the audition song. We learn later that the name of the show is called Satan's Alley. Yes, and the name of the song is like a you know, like a very 80s techno electronic with like sampled sounds of yeah. whips and yeah. Ah, yeah. And it's like, so like, all right. <laughs> but, but they, they dance at this audition. Yeah. Um, and Jackie gets cast. Yeah. Jackie gets cast like off the, the beginning and he's, and, then, and jesse says i only need two of you yeah and then well that's after travolta's group goes for yes and it's like oh you one of you will get a call but then i believe before he gets that call tony goes out with laura yes is that right he goes out with laura he goes out with laura and um, uh some bg's music plays as they just walk around the city yep um and talking about things i don't remember yeah, the bg's did five new songs for this movie they were going to do more, but they quit. Because <laughs> of creative differences. Creative differences with Travolta. Yeah. Uh, someone else did some songs for this, but I'm going to get into it when he appears in this movie. Oh, I know what you're talking yeah. about. But uh, he, I'll and, save it. he and Laura go... I'm going to show you a really funny image about that. But uh, he and uh, Laura go out, and they're walking around the city, and there's a like, Bee Gees song. Like, yeah, in the city, we're walking around, and all that. <laughs> uh, like, quite literally. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. But um, they, yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then they wind up in bed together. Yes, they wind up in bed together. And the next, and after they do it, uh, they're both like, wow. And Charles is like, wow, it was great. And he's like, I want to stay the night. And she's like, nah, I, I got I got work in the morning. You got to go. She he's like, is going to kick him out. She kicks him out. Ooh, how the turns have tabled. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he's like, what the hell? Anyway, um, so he goes home. And he's and, waiting for the phone call. Yes, he's waiting for the phone call. Yeah. But there's a really fun gag here where um, like, there's music playing, and you think it's the soundtrack of the movie. Yeah. And then the phone rings, and he runs over to him. He's like, someone turn that music down. And this like 80s rock music that had been playing over the past like minutes. It was on or the two, TV, right? It was on some guy's radio in the lobby. Oh. And they turn it down. And he picks up the phone, and he's like, yeah, yeah this yeah. is Tony Monero. No. Yeah. Yeah, I got the role. I can't yeah. believe it. He's like, I'm the best. I'll be there. Yeah. Hangs uh, up and says, way to go, Monero. Yes. And then no one reacts like, yeah, I got to no get a new residence. That is a 
good bit. <laughs> it's just a bunch of these one liners. There's some good bits in this. There's some very yeah, bad bits. Down. Tony gets the gig. So, but um, um, then he goes to a music club. Does he? Oh, yeah. He goes to a music club to see Jackie. Because Jackie's a singer. Yes. And Jackie is performing a fun stage with the one and only Mr. Frank, Frank Stallone. Stallone. You think it looks like Sylvester, and you're like, is it? And you're like, oh, no. It's Frank. And then you read the IMDb trivia page that says it's Frank Stallone. Yes, it is. John Travolta's brother, uh, Frank Stallone. You mean Every, Everyone's you, favorite. You, you mean Sylvester Stallone's brother. Oh, did I say you Frank? You said John Travolta's brother. Uh, his, Sylvester Stallone's brother, Frank Stallone. What if John Travolta's I'm going to show you the, the funniest movie poster of all time. I'm looking forward to it. There's a documentary that came out this year. Yeah. And this is the name of it. <laughs> Well, for the listener at home, it is in massive text, Stallone, Stallone. and then in very small text under it, Frank. Frank that, that is, is. <laughs> very, very good bit. Man, I kind of want to watch it. I kind of do too. Maybe we'll do an episode about it. Talks about how Stallone, Sylvester, abused him. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> not. I'm just kidding, man. I'm kidding, man. Yeah, but um, you obviously didn't abuse yeah. your brother. So she's playing. She's singing up there with Frank Stallone. Um. Doing, and, they're singing like jazzy stuff. Yeah, they're and, singing jazzy stuff, and then like she said something nice to him after the performance. Rolls like, "Why well, are you talking to that guy?" He's like, "You're my girl." And like, "Troll's troll cheating on her too." So like, maybe, well, maybe drop again, her. again with the labels here. Like, I, I, I never really am sure. Like, are they just like friends with benefits, or are they like yeah. committed? Wikipedia like, claims that they're dating, but. That's never like textually said in the movie, as far but as I can tell. Later in the movie, she, even she's saying like, "I can't keep being second choice." Yeah. So like, she knows that he's. It's like it's a fr- out with it other has women. to be like a friends with benefits thing. Right. Yeah. I mean, like you can call yourself boyfriend and girlfriend and be like polyamorous or whatever. Yeah. It's just like for audiences. Yeah. It's and for like, 1983, that doesn't seem like something that would be in eh, a movie. You know, the 80s was a time. The 80s was a time. Well, maybe not. Maybe not the 60s sexual yeah. awakening, but. You know, there's there was things going on. There was things going on. So, um, but yeah, he's, um, yeah, I wrote he, down juggling two women. He's, he's mad at her for being nice to another guy. Meanwhile, he is sleeping with two women. Meanwhile, he has definitely learned his lesson from the first movie. Yes, he's learned absolutely nothing. Um, part of the reason why this movie is just because they're like, what if we just textually good. said that he learned his lessons and then never show them? Right, never show that he learns his lesson. Yeah. So um, the, later that day, he goes by to see Laura again after seeing Jackie. Yeah. And she's with another guy getting in a limo. I'm getting, I got flashbacks to the scene in Saturday Night Fever when he helps Stephanie move in. Mm-hmm. And there's a guy there. Yes. And how he handled it. Perfect moment for him to be like super chill and cool. Like, no, you don't have to explain anything to me. I get it. But and, and he's like, "Were you just using me?" <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, it's so mad. Yep. <laughs> and uh, then she just says, "Everybody uses everybody." That is like the "you don't fuck the future, the future fucks you." Yeah. Quote version for this movie. This is like the Walmart version of the first movie at this point. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. Because I wrote I wrote that quote down. I'm like, I feel like this is like the future fucks you version line. Yeah. That's what they're trying to go with. So. Yeah. So uh, he he does around this time call his mom and tell her he got the role. Yes, um, but that's like not too important. Yep. Um. So he's he's a little mad at Laura, but he got the role. And it, they don't say it, but he got the role as the alternate, I think, 
right? No, he just got a supporting role. He later positions himself as the alternate. Oh, okay. But he just got a supporting role, and he's now partially thinking Laura gave him the role. Yeah. Um, but he's not the leading man. Uh, Laura is the leading um, woman, mm-hmm. and uh, they obviously have like a intricate dance routine around each other that the duo um and so we get to a rehearsal scene and uh, Uh, it needs to be noted the show is called satan's alley that's what yeah i said that earlier oh did you yeah the show is called satan's alley because that that was when i was addressing the music for the audition okay with all like the whips it is it is very funny that's the same name from tropic thunder of uh like the fake tobe mcguire robert dine jr movie at the beginning where they're like two priests uh who realize they're gay in like some irish monastery (laughs) You know, <laughs> five-time Academy Award winner Kirk Lazarus. Yeah, MTV Best Kiss winner Toby McGuire. Oh, I I really want to do a Tropic Thunder episode, the Thundercast. Just one episode just, on no, Tropic. Just Thunder. Thunder and about. Thunder and about. Tropic Thunder and about. Yeah, that's a good one. We'll we'll, we'll come up with a we'll better. come up with a one. We'll really come up good. with a better name when we do the yeah the, the when we do. <laughs> Robert Downey Pod Jr. or something. I don't know. So, um, and it's also should be noted that's like what I love about this and how much of a quasi Rocky movie this is. Essentially, is, yes. is that the rehearsal scenes are like these verbatim montage scenes, n- not that different from Rocky's like yeah training verbatim montages. training montage scenes. The, Just the, dancing instead of hitting the things they're not as back. exciting. They're one of my biggest problems with this movie is that the dance scenes are really not exciting. Well, I mean, how exciting can you make a dance routine be? Have you seen Saturday Night Fever? But that really wasn't about it the uses dancing. wide shots just so you can see the whole like movements. This one is differently it's shot, extremely yeah. well shot. It has cool sets, cool lighting. This one has a lot the of motions are exhilarating. The motions yeah. are exhilarating in that one. And this one is just like a lot of quick cuts. It looks like I'm watching some like YouTube video about how they made a Broadway musical. Yeah, it's but, quick cuts. It's not that like exciting choreography. And it's it's very close too. It's you don't see close. the full body. You get, like cut off arms and legs. It's another thing where this whole movie just feels kind of cheap. In yeah. comparison to Santa Fever, I'm sure they spent a lot of money on this movie. But. Yeah. So, but at the end of the rehearsal, he first asks Jackie out. Yes. Asking her, like, what's she doing? Yeah. And they make plans. Yeah, and she's like, I'm performing tonight. You should come. Well, and this is after he had apparently already ditched her once, I think. He didn't ditch her. He uh, kind of showed Blade or something like that. Yeah. Oh no! He no he yeah you're right. He didn't attend the last performance. Yeah. So this second he was one, out with Laura. she's like, "You're not gonna ditch me again or something, are you?" He's like, "No, no." And then as soon as Jackie walks away, Laura's Laura like, walks "Yeah, I'm up. having a Christmas party. You should come." Like businessy and, plot and, point wise, yeah, this it's mother, not even that good. This, this motherfucker is just like, "Yeah, I'm going to that Christmas party." Of course he is. Um, of course he is. Because he's like, "Yeah, my second woman needs me over my first woman." And uh, sure enough, he puts on the white suit puts on the from the first suit. movie. <laughs> he puts back. Yeah. Um, and you he, know what we didn't talk about? What? The hair. Ooh, we need a sidebar to- for the hair report. The hair reporting of oh, Travolting. Jesus Christ. I came up with a theme song. I am canceling this episode. <laughs> the hair reporting of Travolting. All right. So, howdy, folks. This is the hair reporting report. 
uh, the hair rating report for the Travolting Podcast. I am your co-host, Stuart Elmore. I'm Jeff, and I'm here to listen to him. Okay. He rates the hair, I just listen. So, um, the hair in this movie is quite literally, when I say this is the exact same hair as Rocky and Rocky Three, Basically. The exact... No, no, I gotta even be... It's like Rambo hair. Because Rambo's the more even, like, poofy, poofy hair. Yeah, it's also Rocky Three hair as well. Yeah, they're both pretty poofy? Yeah. Okay. I mean, Rocky Three is a little shorter, but... Yeah, this is like Rambo, Rocky Three poof. Like, look up a... Go to... For folks listening, just look up... Go to Safari. Look up Rambo Three <laughs> or uh, a Rambo or, or Part One or Rocky Three, and look at look at Stallone's hair. It is the exact same hair. I'm doing it right now as um, Travolta's in this movie. Just look both up and put them side by side. They're the same. Now, when it comes to my likability of this hair, I gotta say, I'm actually a fan. You like him? Well. First thing I noted when I thought about seeing him in this hair was um, Carrie, mm-hmm. because Carrie, you know, I always differentiate Carrie from Boy in the Plastic Bubble when, it, when we talk about long hair Travolta, right? So, are you looking at them side I'm, by side? I'm looking at pictures. Are they, are, it's exact same. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just looking at some funny images. Of okay, <laughs> Travolta and Stallone right now. So, um, yeah, I always differentiate Carrie and Boy in Plastic Bubble when it comes to long hair Travolta. Carrie is a nicely controlled, defined long hair. Boy in the Plastic Bubble, as well as Moment by Moment long hair Travolta, is just like out of control poofiness. Mm-hmm. This poofiness, because I would, I don't know if I would categorize this as long hair Travolta, but it's certainly not short hair yeah, Travolta. It's, it's mid-range Travolta. I think we have finally reached and unlocked the new key character in this video game of life of ours called Medium Hair Travolta. And it's it's your it's your Travolta. This is what you're into. Yeah, I would have to say tied for first place with the hair ranking, Carrie and Stain Alive. Whoa, this is a plot twist right here. Because I do like the, because how old was he in Carrie? Like, I feel like with Carrie, he had the benefit of just Early, being like. Early, mid-20s. He, he, er, well, he was 24 when he did. Oh, so yeah, he would have been like early 20s. Like 19, maybe even. Yeah. Because he was 19 when they made when they made Devil's Reign. And Carrie was yes. only a year later. Yes. So he might have been like 19, 20. I don't think we're ever going to get that hair back. Yes. I, th- I think that was like... I, I would concur with that. I think that was like post-high school Travolta hair. We're never getting it back. And we're never getting that back. This is the best of both worlds where it's like we have young Travolta, but he's, he's like aged... He's gotten like, like that's why I kind of like blowout hair as well, because it looked like he could have been, he could have been playing a thirty-year-old man. He's at the, the peak of his. Yeah, he could have been playing thirty, thirty-five-year-old, even though at the time he was twenty-five. I think he could have been playing thirty, thirty-five, and I would have believed him because his hair was like matured. Yeah. And this, I get a matured hair look as well, but with the added like partiness to it with the floof. Yeah. So yeah, I gotta say that this ties for first place with Karen. I really respect that. Yeah. 
you know what I realized? We should check, you should start keeping track of these rankings. I really should. I need to go back to my episodes. Because we could possibly get to a point where you have 66 of these hairstyles to rank in one episode. Well, this is episode nine. Yes. So now we are officially at the nine mark right now. And at the very last episode, we will do a total ranking tally yes. right now. Can you do one right now? Can you rank the nine? I got unite the, I, unite I, the seven. I got to I got to look back. So staying alive number one, carry. I'll just go ahead and say number two, tied for one though. Yeah. So it goes if we're writing down the list, it's one, two, carry, but parentheses tied for first. Number three is going to be. I'm looking at my papers here. See, this is why I love. I have another book. I yeah. can just go back. I would say okay. So it's going to be between. Urban Cowboy wasn't a huge fan of just because it was only like the beard and then he wore a hat. I would have to say it goes one, staying alive, two, but tied for first carry. Are you writing this down? I'm making a note for you. I'm helping you out. Three, Grease. Four, Saturday Night Fever. And this was tough for me because I, I, I know I've said that I'm a long hair Travolta fella. But again, it's the out of controlness of Boy in the Plastic Bubble and Moment by Moment, why it's so low. So after Saturday Night Fever, what rank is Saturday Night Fever at right now? Four. Four. Five is Blowout. I like the Blowout here. Um, you can just say right now, Double Rain's going to be last. Okay. So I just said five is Blowout. Um, six is going to be you know maybe i shouldn't write this down just make you have to figure this out every time no please write at least this first time and then yeah. i can remember it from now um then it's going to be urban cowboy urban cowboy that might, and I, and i feel and i struggle to give that answer just because he does wear a hat the majority of the time yeah but i just i'm not a fan of the out of control long hair yeah the carry long hair quintessential yes quintessential so urban cowboy then Boy in the Plastic Bubble. Ooh, we put Moment by Moment behind. Moment by Moment. Devil's Reign. I believe that's it. Yes, that is that is the ranking. So can you run through that once once, once more? Just as for the as of now, your ranking of hair is Staying Alive, yeah. Carrie, Grease, Saturday Night Fever, Blowout, Urban Cowboy, Boy in Late Plastic Bubble, Moment by Moment, and Devil's Reign. Yeah, can you uh, text that to me? It's just so on, I, I, it's, I, it's on our Google Drive. Oh, sweet. All right, cool. All right. We officially are keeping track of it, folks. Yeah, so join us back in what what's our last episode? May twenty twenty two. Yeah, uh, May of next year is when we're currently scheduled to release our last episode. So May. Who knows? He might make another movie in the time and prolong this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So May twenty twenty two for right now. We'll have a gigantic. We'll have to just have an episode just to go through the entire. Yeah, we'll, we'll have a special hair episode. It'll be a, a special hair episode. I like that. Yeah. I like Continuing on with the movie, though. Where were we? <laughs> I'm just I'm looking back at my Urban Cowboy notes with the beard. Yeah. I tell you this, Jeff. Not to prolong this hair segment for as long as it is. We're at the 50-minute mark right now. Cool. Um, the beard at the beginning of Urban Cowboy is what elevates it above the Boy in the Plastic Bubble yeah. moment. No, the moment. beard's fantastic. As short-lived as it is, I would kill a dog for that beard. Yes. That beard is phenomenal on Travolta. And it's a shame that they made him shave mm-hmm. it the rest of the movie. And well, if he kept it, I might have put him above 
Saturday Night Fever. Maybe and, Saturday Night Fever. Yeah. Maybe even Grease. Who knows? Who knows? No one will know. Yeah. Because he shaved his beard. Yes, he did. All right. Staying alive. Yes. We, we now uh, resume to your regularly scheduled programming. <laughs> He's wearing the white suit yes, going to the party. He's wearing the white suit and he goes. <laughs> Do you yeah. like how I found yeah, it right you, away? You remember. You remember. <laughs> he's wearing the white suit and he goes to Laura's party, uh, and she's at, hanging out with another guy, and he's like, "How could you do this to me?" Meanwhile, he's doing the same thing to both of the women in his life. Uh, sexism. Like, and, and even uh, the points when it's trying to be subtextual yeah. aren't even that subtextual. No, it, it's like the they're obviously trying to make a, this like make that point I just made that like he's has double standards. But it's it, right. it, it just comes out as him being like, I don't get it. Why do these women not do the same thing I do? Um, yeah. and But he's it, mad and he leaves the party. And so um, that's when he goes to see Jackie. Yeah, but he's late and he catches only the tail end of the performance. She starts she crying is, when she sees him. Yeah, and she dead-eyed yeah. just stares at him and while she finishes. She, because the lyrics aren't even that subtle either. Yeah. Um, it's like something like you toy with me and I'm yeah. something, something and I'm like, wow, what a very nice subtle yes. piece of music for John Travolta yeah. to perfectly walk in right as they're finishing yeah. that up. Like what if like she finished the song and you walked in and be like, boys, we got to do that song again. Yeah. We got to do it <laughs> once <we> more. <laughs> my, my soon to be ex <laughs> just walked <laughs> in. He's got to get the message. So, um, yeah. Um, so she, uh, she says something to, uh, Frank Stallone again. Joel's like, you still talking to that guy? He's like, yeah, both the women are cheating on me now. I can't wait till we get to the next rehearsal section when he says the thing about the rhythm guitarist. Yeah. Um, and she's like, that's not the problem. You can't be relied on. I can't keep being second to you and all yes. that. She formally dumps him. She essentially dumps him. Dumps the benefits part. Yeah. They were friends with benefits. She dumps the benefits. They're just friends now. And then we get what is actually a good sequence that I like. Um, where the he, rehearsal scene? No, where he saunters out in his white suit. And walks across the Brooklyn Bridge, all sad. And we get the shot of his feet from the first movie, but this time it's like a sad trod instead of excitement. It's moments like these that it's like, this could have been a pretty decent yeah. sequel. This is a good use of iconography. Yeah. And uh, he passes. For a point. And he passes. He passes 2001 Odyssey. 2001 Odyssey, right. And he just walks home and goes into his house and sees his mom. How far of a walk is it from Manhattan to Brooklyn, uh, if you're walking? Probably like a 40-minute walk. Yeah. Something like that. I, I mean, so. the, the route he took. Yeah, you can imagine. It can be longer or short, depending on what part of Manhattan and what part of Brooklyn. It's a big, big-ass city. Yeah. So, but, but yeah, he walks back to Brooklyn and just walks in the house. Yes. Apparently, either he has a key or they leave their he's, doors unlocked. He's which returning. In Brooklyn, probably not something you want to yeah. do. And he and his mom talk, and he's like, you know, I was a real bastard back in the day, and but now I'm a good person. And I love her response. It was like, the fuck you mean? It's yeah. like he's like, yeah, Tony you were a bastard, then? but I got you out of here. Yeah, it's like wh- who you were back then is what got you out of yeah. there. And that but, was there's like a I don't know. But now we kind of get to the weird, probably the weirdest part of this movie. Is that the theme of it and the moral is almost like, it's good to be a bastard sometimes. Sometimes you just gotta be a shithead. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, I, so, kinda, I lost track of where the thread was going. Yeah. It's like the first movie is about, you know, sometimes you, like, you know, there's a chance for you to get be better and, like, 
you shouldn't feel put down by the place you live and all that. Yeah. And this movie's like, well, you know, you can you can kind of be a little shitty guy as long as you're not too shitty. Right. Because it got, it got you out of there to be mean. And then the end of this movie supports that where he's like terrible to Laura until the final moment where he brings her back. Um, and we'll there's a line too. in this where he's saying something about like, yeah, and it's smaller. It's like, what do you mean smaller? And he's, he's like the opposite of bigger, smaller, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like great, great line there. Stallone. But his mom kind of gives him the pep talk with all that. And, uh, he goes back and he goes back to an audition for the show where Jackie's not really talking to him too much. Um, but at the same time, Laura and the current male lead of the show, they're not ain't, they ain't cutting it. They're they're not the chiding. guys and the guys not passing it. And uh, Laura's like, "Is it me?" And it's not. And her. the the conductor's like, "No, it's not." Um, it's like, the guy. And Travolta grabs him. And I heard Patrick Swayze has a cameo in this film. Doesn't he? I, I was IMDb trivia section that said it. Um. Anyway. Anyway, maybe he does. Um, but he uh, he grabs the uh, not conductor. What's the, the choreographer? Choreographer. Yeah. He grabs him. He's like, "Give me a chance." And the guy's like, fuck it, sure. Well, well we just, you, we passed over the uh, rehearsal scene with him and Jackie. Him and, he asked Jackie, it's like, can you just help me rehearse for this part? Because I think oh, I have a chance yeah. of getting it. And that's important because he's at the dance studio and she shows up with Frank Stallone. Oh, yeah, Frank Stallone. And um, he he's immediately putting up his, gu- his guard up. Yeah. And he's like, what'd you bring him for? It's like, what the fuck is like? I he's like, he's my friend. Because he, he puts two and two together that um, she's dating him now. Because she says, good night. Yeah. Like, and he he uh, acknowledges and observes her formal way of saying, good night. Yeah. To he's the, like, you're cheating on me. He's like, we broke up. And he's like, I didn't take you for uh, dating a musician. And he's like, it's like he's a rhythm guitarist. Everyone knows you can't trust a rhythm yeah. guitarist. I'm like, I think that's the drummer, dude. I think yeah. you're talking about the drummer on that uh, yeah. uh, stereotype. Um, but then they do their uh, rehearsal process. So they're doing the routine that the leads do yeah. for him to practice and step up and get the chance. Not for Jackie to step up yeah. and take Laura's spot. <laughs> no, yeah. no, 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 no. Only for Tony. Only for Tony. <laughs> so that that was a little bit there behind yeah, that, that, that I was, uh, as i was he, watching that scene he essentially cheated on her and then is like is hey, can you help me help. get a role so i can be with the woman that i cheated on you with yeah a little fucked up and i mean but, um the scene itself is it's fine it's fine i would say it's better than most of the montage dance scenes we've yeah. been getting Th- this, this is one's a, a little bit more this pulp. is around the part of the movie where i just got really bored <laughs> Which is why you forgot uh, about this scene. Yeah. I wrote a lot of notes up until about this scene. I yeah. Wrote, and then I wrote a note that just says, this movie's losing steam. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, um, yeah. I, yeah, I wrote down, Tony and Jackie rehearse alone, dot, 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 sensually. Yeah. Yes. There's a lot of, as I said, a lot of sex through dancing. A lot of movie. sex through dancing. Yeah. But um, the rehearsal po- uh, bears out well for him. And he goes up to the choreographer and is like, give me a shot. Did I miss something something again? So after the rehearsal scene, Tony's like, let me walk you home. She's like, no, it's fine. And then she starts to walk away. And then Tony hops up next to her. It's like, you know what? I'm a changed guy. I would never let you walk home alone. It's a dangerous neighborhood, you know? So he walks her home. They get to the apartment. He's laying it on thick. Says Jackie, like, I love you. 
and that's when they kiss. Oh yeah, they do kiss. This happens. and he goes out to her apartment. I just watched this. this movie. I just watched this movie. I so forgot. did I. Yeah. Like today. Yeah. God, I did watch it today. This is literally the like I said. I was losing so much steam around this part of the movie. I even watched it like earlier this morning, not just right before this yeah. podcast. I had to get up early to watch it because I had a meeting in between our podcast and when I watched it. So I got up at like eight o'clock. Yeah. Watched it around nine. It got over at like ten fifty. Then I had a meeting at eleven. That got over at twelve thirty. Then you came over at like one. Yeah. Hell of a movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then there's then the this finally scene. Then okay, the where he grabs scene. the choreographer, and he's like, "I can do it." And the choreographer's like, "Sure, whatever." Yeah. And so Travolta and Laura, they go for it. They go for it. And, and the choreographer's like, "Yeah, that was cool." Well, well, the oh no, he flunks he, the first. He time. flunks the first time. And he, and he storms off. He's ready to walk off. His pride is hurt. You know, it's something that happens to a lot of like musicians, dancers, performers of the type. That if you flunk in front of a lot of people, it's like your pride is hurt. You want to walk out. You don't just want to like not try to audition for the part. You want to yeah. get out of there. So he's like ready to get out of there. That part I understood from that mentality. There's a lot of things that from my personal experience of being like a performer in some way mm-hmm. back in like high school and college that I got in this movie um, mentality wise. And so like the whole drama bit with like the love triangle. Like I was kind of like, yeah, that's kind of like dramatic shit that yeah. goes on with like performer mentality things. Mm. Everyone's sleeping with each other on the stage. Yeah. Like if you go see a Broadway musical, it's like somebody's fucking somebody. Um, hopefully it's not the case now, but yeah. it definitely was back then. Um, so uh, he's walking out and then Jesse, the choreographer, chases Runs him out. Up, like, and he's like, I f- and Troll's like, I feel like I was being used. And then he says, it. everybody uses, uses everybody. everybody. A clever callback. Yeah. And he's like, if you walk out of here, don't expect to be able to come back. And like, I'll blacklist you in this town. You'll never walk again. You'll never walk in. You think you're a hot shot because you got this role. This is probably the only big role you ever got. Yeah. So um, and that's when like he continues to walk out. But then, and they're getting ready to start again. Uh, Robert is the name of the man, I think. Or, no, Butler. Butler? Who's Butler that? Who is, is the, who's that? That's the guy who is, like, flunking the dance oh. that Travolta is trying to replace. Yeah, his name, Jesus, his name is Butler. <laughs> Dude, I, don't, I didn't know you his fucking, name. Well, this, I'll be real. This was me during moment by moment. Yeah. <laughs> I can't lie about that. So, anyway, so then, as they're getting ready to go again, Butler is taking a spot again. Then Travolta walks in. Yeah, and then he's like, and Jesse no, was no regard for Butler's yeah, emotional like, health whatsoever. He's like, get the fuck out of here, Tony. Yeah. Go ahead and try. And then they do it. Yeah, they do it very well. Yeah, and during the dance, it should be noted that like Laura's expression during the dance is like, oh my god, this guy's actually doing it. He's mm-hmm. actually fucking doing it. He's like tossing me yeah. around and shit. So he he does it well, yeah. and he gets the part. There's a lot of tension. Yep. Um, and then after that. It pretty much just goes right to like the performance, right? The premiere. Yeah, his it's mom. Tony's mom comes. I wrote down. Uh, I wrote down. Uh, where did I write it down? Somewhere in here. But it's very pure. She's like, "That's my son up there. I don't know where he learned how to dance." I, I thought I wrote it down somewhere, but it's like this may not have been the show you would have wanted yeah. to bring your mother to. Yes, it's called <laughs> Satan's Alley. She's and a very strong Catholic woman. It's very much like the Chicago musical. He had it coming. Yeah, <laughs> you know, he had it coming. a lot of very like you know sensual dances, yeah. skimpy outfits, a lot of skin, there's a lot no of no nudity. Yeah, there's a lot of like near nude people playing near, demons. And, oh, and we forgot to tell our audiences like in, in the earlier audition sequence, audition montage really when he's going from 
office to office to office, sending his resume. He's always saying like, I do anything, you know, but no nudity. nudity. My, mo- my mom doesn't want me to do nudity, you yeah. know, doesn't want me to catch a cold. Yeah. <laughs> it's a joke. And this musical is like, or as close I, as you can get to. It's nudity really hard to call this a musical because there's no singing. Yeah, it's it's, it's a performance, it's interpretive dance. It's an it's a performance. Yes, we'll call it a performance. Um, but this performance, lot of partial nudity. Yes. You know, people like at one point I thought Travolta was wearing something that's like if he like lifts his leg, his junk is gonna come he, out. He's dressed like a caveman, and yeah. his mom at one point does like the sign of the cross because she's <laughs> yes. so disturbed. Yeah, but um, it's the premiere, and I wrote down technical, and and I said this being of the podcast, like I feel like this is where all the budget went. Yeah, it's a very well produced set. Yes, there's a lot of cool lighting gags. Thank you, and the dancing is proficient, but the cinematography doesn't. Yeah. Um, it doesn't I, uh, do I can, it justice. It doesn't do it justice. I'm I'm not someone who ever falls asleep during movies, and I didn't fall asleep during this movie. Okay. But the only times I ever like fall asleep and I'm watching something are like watching like videos or like performances of like stage music. Like there's something about the disconnect between watching a stage performance in real life and on a screen that just doesn't work for me. And like I can that's, fall asleep during that. That's fair. That's absolutely fair. Like, I'll fall asleep watching them. The only one that, like, really did it for me was the Hamilton, uh, like, performance. See, here's the because thing, Because it was, yeah, what? Well, I didn't watch it on Disney Plus because I fucking watched it on Broadway. I, I saw it in, on stage, too. I didn't see it on Broadway, but I saw it in Chicago when it was here. Okay. I guess that's kind of cool. Yeah. So, suck on that. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but that watching that was one of the only ones that really did. And this gave me that same feeling I get when I'm normally watching, like, stage where it's like I kind of lose because it loses a lot of the grandeur when you're not in the room. Yeah. I, for and me, I just, yeah, I, I, I understand that. For me, it, it's just, uh, being someone who was a performer, like, I kind of, yeah. I was able to attach some stuff to it. Like, I, I liked, uh, watching, um, and comparing, like, oh, like this. I wrote down like there's a clear like hero's arc embedded within this like yeah. performance. Like Travolta I, is clearly like somebody who is in the story of the musical that I got from it was like descended yeah. to hell or had to face because I think yeah. Laura's character is the devil. Yeah, like some sort of satanic creature. Yeah, and he's like just a he's yeah. like the hero. And, and this is such a stolen sequence. Yes, it is because he's such like for all who yeah, talk like this and writing dumb lines and all that, he has this like weirdly strong sense of classical like hero's journey literature. Yeah. I watched some interview with him when he, he's in Guardians of the Galaxy 2 for like two scenes or whatever. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, you know, uh, these Marvel movies are like mythology and it's like connecting back to like Joseph Campbell. And like it's, Stallone just like has a very strong like intellectual acumen for like, this old classical storytelling. He's, he's an Oscar winner yep. for screenplay. And you see it in this moment <laughs> with uh, how they're using this like satanic like play as a representation yeah. of Travolta's arc. And that's what kept my interest during yeah. it alive. Um, that, that stuff would be cool if there's more to it. Yeah, I, that's true. That's very true. Um, I, one thing that surprised me about this is how Tony centric the performance was. Yes. I thought it was more of like a duo performance between it, Laura and he, he straight Tony. up just stole the lead role from he, that guy. It really <laughs> is like he is the leading man. This isn't a duo. Like Laura is like the leading woman, but like yeah. she has maybe half the stage time. You really can't call it screen yeah. time. The stage time is like Tony does. Yeah. Like Tony is the hero of this and she's the antagonist. Um antagonistic role in this performance. But uh, yeah, a lot of cool stuff. The, the first time they're out there, they're dancing together. Yep. And at the end, he kisses her. And she spits in his eye. She 
scratches his eye. Was it a scratch? I thought it was a yeah. Spit. She okay. like she like kind of yeah. He kisses her and he like kind of scratches. Because I think uh, Jackie runs over and is like, "Is your eye okay?" And she's like, "Did you have to kiss her?" And th- his this- answer to that was like, "It was nothing." See, I thought he was going to say something like, "Oh, it was the heat of the moment." Because yeah. I I thought that was what I thought yeah. when I first saw that. I thought, "Oh, yeah. heat of the moment," you know? Because I mean, this whole performance is just kind of him getting back at Laura for how she used him. <laughs> yeah, but how so? Because well, that's they say that a lot in the movie. Yeah. It's like this I mean, isn't time for you to have revenge yeah. on somebody. Like but- he's he's upstaging her. And then at the end of the performance, he literally okay. throws—he literally throws her off the stage. Yeah, like not even like as in the sense of like he kicks her, like he picks her up and throws, throws her off, her the, off stage. the stage. Unscripted, he does a solo. It cuts to Jesse. He's like, I didn't tell him to do a solo. Yep, he does this all on his own. Tony does like a, a big solo on the stage. And, so much uh, for that uh, lesson in Saturday Night Fever about yeah. it's not all about you. Yeah, it isn't. Because the weird thing about this movie is this movie's like, yes, yeah, sometimes it is all about you. <laughs> Yeah, and you gotta just know when to balance that, um, and that could be a compelling theme for a movie. It just goes back to I think the main problem of this movie. It's is not that a sequel. It's a really bad sequel. If the, if this exact story was taken, and even Stolen could have directed it, done otherwise, I don't. I'm not gonna say it would have been good, but it could have been decent. It's just that comparing this to Saturday Night Fever, having the same character, having to deal with the themes and the ideas and the arcs of that movie. It's such a detriment to this one. That was basically what I was going to say yeah. from what I said at the beginning about addressing why this has such as horrible critical um, yeah. uh, critical analysis as it does. Because, Jeff, you and I both don't both agree that this isn't a 0% yeah. Rotten Tomatoes score. And I what I was going to say at the beginning, but I'll, I'll just go ahead and say it now. It's like, you know, with Rotten Tomatoes, it's like percentages of the negative reviews and positive yeah. reviews and all that stuff. It, every review was going to be negative because of being a sequel to Saturday Night Fever. Yeah, it's like, how does this does not really build on the first one in any way? Yeah. It's almost a rejection of the first one. Exactly. And it's like, this movie isn't like 0% Rotten Tomatoes quality. Yeah. It's just that if you're watching it with the expectation of the sequelness of it, yeah. then that is a 0% quality. Yeah. But the movie itself, and I kind of got that early on when I started the movie. When I first started it, it's like, you know... I'm like, this could have been good if it was just not a sequel. This could have been good. I just thought, this is a spinoff. It's held back by its yeah. nature. I thought, like, if I just watch this like it's a spinoff. Yeah. Or if you watched it, like, and it's just an independent did, I never film. seen the first change, one. Uh, change uh, John Travolta's name yeah. to a different person. Totally different movie. Yeah. Yeah. So, but the performance. So Yeah, he, he, he throws her off the stage, does his solo, and then he brings her back at the last moment for their, like, triumphant... He holds her in one hand, like above him. It's kind of impressive. Well, we forgot something, um, which was um, so after before at the end of the first act when he kisses her, she scratches his eye. Jackie talks to him all yeah. that time. In between, during the break between the first and second act, um, Laura and Tony like have another talk right before they go on yeah. for the second act, and she tells him he doesn't have it. Yeah, and just kind of her way of like poking it a little yeah. bit. She's just poking and then him. He, he throws her off. Does and that's thing. and that's when like you know obviously they're doing this dance routine at the end of the second act, and then he just tosses her aside, does this dance routine, jumps Bring, on this floating platform, yeah, and brings her back for like being held above his head <laughs> on the floating platform. <laughs> it's, just, it's like they're like jump. And oh yeah, like, I can't. There's, there's a, and Jackie was like jump. <laughs> it's like I'll cut you. Jump. It's just like I can't. It's like you jump, have to jump, jump. It's something of an action movie. Yeah, 
And so she does this jump, cut to this lower angle of her like doing this choreographed yeah. jump, and then she magically lands on yeah. the platform. She imagines the platform perfectly. He grabs her, tosses the show her. Show ends. Show ends. We got like a rocky ending where everyone stands up. It's like everyone's applauding. His mom's like, "That's my son. That's my son." Yep. And so it's then we're backstage. Everyone's celebrating. It's great performance. Champagne's popping, and then. Tony's walking through with Jackie in his arms. She's like, you don't want to stay? It's like, no, I want to strut. Yeah, and he and Jackie and have then, kind of made up. And then... Staying Alive starts playing. Staying Alive starts As he playing. struts out, and it's all the same shots from Saturday Night Fever's opening from sequence. Exactly. Exactly. Because Tony's back in his groove, I guess. Yeah. And he struts, I, I, and he struts down uh, Times Square. Yeah. There are some like long angle shots of him walking across streets. I was like, is he about to get hit by a car? Because like it kind of looks like that's what they're teeing up with the way the shots. They don't do it, obviously. Right. But it does end with a freeze frame of him. He's smiling, smiling walking, and then he fades away. And, he, and it fades out. <laughs> he just fades to black. He just go to credits. No, he just apparates out of the frame. Oh, the rest of it's still there. Wow, I forgot about that. Like he walks out and he freezes. Once the, and then, uh, and then we're still seeing the exact same shot of Town Square, but he just disappears. What do you think the purpose of that one was? I think it's just so that they can fit, like, logically. Oh, credits. They just need to fit the credits on, and he's in it. And so they just wanted to backdrop it. But if you wanted to dig too much If you want to get it. really deep, he's, he died. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he did get hit by a car. Maybe he died in the forms. I don't know. I, I think this I don't might think be it, controversial to say, but... I wasn't as turned off by that ending only because like as soon as the music hit. Yeah. And I knew Steve oh, no. Alive was gonna play at the end. I'm, I wrote I wrote the struck gets me hype. That ending kinda yeah. that ending got me yeah. hyped up. It got me hyped. I was like, and then like the same camera angles, yeah. the same shots, and he's like he's like smiling. And I thought like this is like that it, it, I liked it a lot actually, because like um like he's has that same smiling expression yeah. like he did at the beginning. But what's interesting, and this actually does have some subtextual meaning to it, because in the beginning of Saturday Fever, his like kind of like carry yeah. way he carries him is about like he's a big part of the neighborhood, yeah. and then it cuts to the paint shop scene. Yeah, and he's a small part. This is like he's a big shot on Broadway. He's a now. big shot on Broadway. He's made yeah. it and he's earned that right to like yeah. carry himself up high. And uh, so I like it. So the movie ends with Travolta smiling off, very optimistic about his future. He died. And then he died on we stage. Fit, and then the movie ends and it comes out in 1983. And that optimism was ill-placed. Um, as we said, this movie is one of the only ones that has zero percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It did not do doesn't, well. Doesn't deserve it. It did not do well with critics. Yeah. Um, a lot of critics agree. Entertainment Weekly dubbed this the worst sequel ever um, in 2006. Did they see Jaws 2? Oh. Jaws, uh, Jaws the Revenge? <laughs> That's the one where the, the shark's telepathic and it's hunting down the family. Oh, it, right. The, this is not the, the worst the sequel ever. I'm, I'm, putting my, yeah. I'm planting my flag on this hill. Like, this is not the worst sequel Yeah, there are significantly ever. worse sequels. There are much worse sequels. This is a bad sequel, yes. but I don't know. Um, but a lot of critics agreed it didn't have the grittiness or realism from the first one, yeah. according to this True. article. True. It did need um, to be darker and grittier, which yes. Stallone even admits to. He said in an interview, like, even though the movie made money, he recognizes its critical failure and yeah. wishes he had made it darker. Yeah, Stallone has a lot of regrets about this. Uh, though, ultimately, Travolta said that his favorite director he's ever worked with was Stallone. He said he know he knew how to make me look the best on screen. And according to your hair ranking, you agree with that. 
Travolta is extremely sweaty. And it looks like they like poured a bucket of grease on him before every scene. Hey, no. He's so wet. He is. <laughs> he is insane. <laughs> Sorry, the way you said that. He, he is, is so, so wet. wet. He is. Watch. Look up. So wet. Look up John Travolta staying Go to alive. our YouTube channel. Go to this YouTube video. Type in the comment. Hashtag so wet. He, he is so extremely wet in this movie. Um, but in spite of all this critical panning, it did actually do fairly well at the box office. Right. Not like amazing it didn't it what, only, was, what was his budget and what did it like gross it had out? 22 million budget it made 65 million yeah which yeah. is only half of what santa fever made yeah yeah so as a sequel it's a failure yeah as but, um just its own movie it made a decent little profit yeah yeah right enough that and this is a fun fact that um paramount was so was pleased enough with Stallone's direction. Oh, I think I know where you're going with this. And the budget of this movie that they considered having Celeste Stallone and John Charles to star together in The Godfather Part, Part Three, three. <laughs> directed by Stallone. Um, that was going to be about Travolta and Stallone as mob leaders caught in a drug war. I don't know how that would have been The Godfather Part Three, but um, well, I think w- they were a rival, um, like gang well, the thing against is, the Corleone family. The thing is, none of the other people like Al Pacino wasn't going to come back. Right. So I'm not how you would have done it, <laughs> but probably would have been like Al Pacino's like grandson or whatever. Yeah. But, um, that was thankfully canned when Coppola, Puzo and Pacino decided to come back for Cop out of part three. Yeah. A movie that I like, I think is okay. I fell asleep. Um, it. but is not great in comparison to the first. I, I fell asleep. The Godfather three is a, is a movie similar to this. That would be, much that is only suffers because of its connection to the first two. Yeah. You watch yeah. Godfather part three as its own movie. You're like, yeah, this is, this is fine. Um, yeah. in comparison to two of the most perfect movies ever made, it's, it struggles. Yeah. It definitely struggles, but th- this is not the Godfather. Yeah. Cast. Um, I think we just broke an hour, um, which is surprising. I thought we would talk a little more longer about this. Movie. Only an hour. Uh, maybe an hour and four minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, that's, this movie is another hit to Travolta after um, his recent failures and flops. What's after this one? Uh, two of a Kind. Oh, him and Olivia Newton-John. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be our next episode that you folks can listen to next week. Yeah. Uh, do you have any closing thoughts on Staying Alive? Just, uh, I, I really, I, I don't think it's as bad. Like, if you look at the Rotten Tomato score and see 0%, one would, like, freak out and be like, God, why would I watch this movie? But mm-hmm. I would implore the audience, like, if you watched this with the mindset that it's its own isolated thing. It, I mean, I watched it thinking it was going to be like, this isn't a sequel, it's a spinoff. We just have the same, we happen to have the same character. And then I watched it with that kind of keeping in mind. Mm-hmm. You know... I do agree. It, it, it lacks in its subtext. It lacks in its visual storytelling. It lacks in its message. Um, and hell, even some of like the writing isn't like as good as it could yeah. be. One thing we didn't really address is Travolta's performance. Yeah, he's, he's good. He's good. Yeah. He's good in this movie. He's, um, he's not Santa Fever good, but he's good. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Blowout's still my favorite performance as we covered. Well, I, I think that goes to the visual storytelling aspect. Yeah. Is so much stuff is delivered through dialogue yeah. that I don't think there was a Saturday Night Fever moment where yeah. it, like him to be like Oscar worthy. He's, he's, he's fully fine in this movie. Um, I would not have nominated for the the Razzie he was nominated for. No, I wouldn't have either. He, he's he's doing his thing in this. Yeah, uh, I think it was a bad choice. But to me, that this movie is even if I don't love it, it's so fascinating yeah 
just as an arc as as like an archival piece of where Travolta and Stallone are at. And if you watch, I would implore audiences to watch this and Rocky Three. Yeah, I mean, like, honestly, watch anything that's Stallone directed in this. Rocky Four, maybe. I would say watch this and then watch Rocky Four Rocky, back to back. Watch Rocky Three. Rocky Three, you think? Rocky Four, he's defeating communism, and there's not enough time to deal with the business of uh, anything. I'm gonna be real. Rocky Four, I think, I personally think, is the most patriotic film you can watch on the Fourth of July. Rocky it beats the Patriot. It beats Independence Day. It beats. No, it's it's a movie about an American hero who travels to Russia. And not only defeats a Russian, but defeats communism. the system of communism. It's the most patriotic film ever. Everyone you cannot think, tell me the moment everyone he runs th- on top of the mountain and yells out, Drago, you yeah. are not just full of American fuel. E- everyone <laughs> thinks that like it's a bit that he beats. The end of the movie is he beats up Drago, grabs a microphone, looks at Mikhail Gorbachev and says, If I, I can, can change, change, you, you can change. And all of them cheer. And Gorbachev even like applauds like begrudgingly. And then, like, three years after the movie comes out, the Soviet Union falls. <laughs> Rocky Ford defeated communism. Sing- it, it literally single-handedly did it. Yeah. Another other reason. Yes. And that's why it's not really what I compare to the second Because the rest of Stolen's movies are more concerned with actual things. Yeah. Uh, aside from defeating communism. I feel like Stallone had a uh, speed dial to Ronald Reagan's office during the production of yes. this movie. He's like, yes, Celestia. Well, uh, if you could put in a change in communism. You you once again sound like Jimmy Carter. (laughs) I'm just trying to do an old man voice. Uh, You know, uh, what's his name? Celestia, I think that... uh, That's more of a Trump. Yeah. Uh, Anyway. You're doing a Trump thing. I'm doing a Trump. Uh, I'm just going to not. Yes. Not. (laughs) That is staying alive. Thank you, folks, for listening. What? uh, Well, quick, before we wrap up. Is there what version of this movie do you think could have worked? Being a sequel, that is. Being a sequel. Being a sequel, not by its own, but if you had to rewrite Staying Alive and make yeah. it a good sequel. Well, I would have first brought the Stephanie character back. Yeah. Not it doesn't have to be a large role, but just like a part of his life. Like at the end he promises that they'll remain friends. Yeah. And even if she's not in it, making it in some way about why she's no longer in it. Mm-hmm. I think that's important. Uh, I think you can still kind of have him trying to make it on Broadway and be a nice guy. You just need to like approach a message that isn't. You know, sometimes you gotta be a shitty. Person. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm trying to think because you, you gotta take, like, you the... gotta chal- you got to make this movie about him trying to be a good person and being challenged in that, but at the end, like reasserting that. Yeah, and I'm I'm thinking like you know Tony who comes from this hard masculine gritty place of Brooklyn who where he tries to reach out for his feminine side and then he's into this place that embraces his feminine side in Broadway right Mm. but I can imagine there could be some sort of a plot tool with like the toxic nature of that industry and not that I would have wanted to make a commentary on like the the toxic elements of Broadway and like all the performance media and all that stuff but I definitely think that if you put like the Tony Monero we knew at the end of Saturday Night Fever into a Broadway musical and he gets introduced to all like the politics and like the drama yeah. and everything, I think there's a good story in that. This movie should have been about Tony Monero defeating communism through dance. And with that, I feel good yes. to wrap this up. Thank you, folks, for listening to this episode. Uh, next week, we're covering Two of a Kind. That's um, not. not- 
two of a kind movies. We're covering the movie called two yes, of a the kind. movie two of a kind. Uh, the reteaming of Travolta and Olivia Newton-John uh, joins this in kind of like a retreat to form for him. Uh, as near as I can tell, it's only available through like like secondhand DVD. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. So I'm gonna have to get you that. Okay. Watch Do you already it. have it? I have. Yeah, I haven't. I have not watched it yet. Okay, but we'll get around. I have to your it. moment by moment DVD in the back there. Gotcha. I'll grab it on the way out. Cool. Um, well, so uh, <laughs> even though I said at the beginning, I encourage everyone to watch the movies as we as we go through them, just to add your context as we discuss these movies and kind of have a journey together with our audience. Yeah. Uh, I understand that movie may not be totally on the list because it's only available on secondhand DVD. Um, but yeah, two of a kind next week. Make sure if you enjoyed this episode to rate, review, and subscribe on whatever platform you're on. That'd be great. As a reminder, we are on Spotify, we are on Apple Podcasts, we're on Google Podcasts, and we're on YouTube. Please uh, let your friends know if you have anyone who you think would enjoy this podcast. If you're enjoying this podcast, please let us know in the comment section or by writing a little review. We really do appreciate it. And if we have any friends who are listening to this podcast and has not signed up to guest star on an episode. Uh, yeah, for dear friends who are listening. I mean, we have all of them so far. This is not an open invitation for anyone listening to the show to guest on this podcast, mind you. Just for, not? Not for anyone. Like, it's some random... Yeah. Why are you being so exclusive, Jeff? I'm a gatekeeper. It's true. I gatekeep. Hmm. Okay. Anyway, we're on Twitter and Instagram at TravoltingPod. We are on Gmail, TravoltingPodcast at gmail.com. Let us know. We are on Reddit, r slash Travolting, a page I have not looked at in six weeks. Uh, I hope there's a thriving community there. Um, there might be. I am on Twitter at Jeff W. Sweeney. Stu is on Instagram at StewardLMore95. And as always, special thanks to Rebecca Johnson for our graphic design. We love you, Rebecca. And thank you to Michael Van Bodegum Smith for our theme music that we you love folks you, Michael. are hearing right now. It's great. Have a great week, everyone, and we'll see you for Two of a Kind. Wait, wait, wait. You gotta, you gotta wait for me. Wait, wait, no, no, no. Reset. Reset. We're gonna do it together. Oh, okay. No, I can't. I wasn't. I had to angle up. No, don't torture our audience with that, please. <laughs> I don't want them to have to listen to that. Till the gargle? <laughs> Whatever you want, dude. Whatever okay, you want to say. Settle, settle. Settle down, please!